Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio. And read me, and I know we've been saying this, but we are very close to making an announcement on that. So you can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So I've been doing a little digging with the... NBA draft just around the corner and learned a couple of things that I find very interesting now that we have, for those who may not have been paying attention, the NBA and the NBA Players Union has agreed they are going to start training camp the first week of December. We will have games beginning a few days before Christmas and we will have the Christmas slate of games per per usual. 72 game season. And there will not be fans in the stands, but teams will be playing in their home arenas. With the draft just around the corner, uh, November 18th, I, I just started calling agents. I wanted to kind of get up to speed. It's really a bullyabase when it comes to who's going to be the number one pick, what the top tier is. I'll just say this as a primer for anybody who's reading mock drafts and reading about various guys moving up or down. That's very possible in terms of the draft being fluid. But if you hear any blockbuster deals, most of the top picks are available because one, teams haven't been able to do their usual due diligence in working guys out. Uh, by and large, the experience of the top players, whether it's Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, they have really thin resumes as far as how much they've played. So there's, and there's always this big jump from playing in college or playing overseas to playing in the NBA. Uh, I say all that to say that if you hear deals about the number one pick or the number two pick being dealt for a veteran player, yeah, the teams that have those picks 
would love to do that. We're in a unique situation where the Warriors and the Timberwolves aren't in full rebuild mode. So they'd like to get a player that they know is going to be able to play next season. They don't know that about anybody in this draft. LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, go down the list. Denny Avija, none of these guys are a guarantee that they're going to be able to contribute in any significant way next season. Now, the teams that have veteran players also know that. So the only way that any of these picks are going to be moved is if it is a team in a rebuilding situation that wants to get off some money. That's ultimately it. I also, I've seen a lot about the Warriors moving Andrew Wiggins as if they feel the same way as they did about his predecessor, D'Angelo Russell. I'm not so sure about that. From what I saw at the end of last season, there was some mild optimism that they could reform Andrew Wiggins. And again, it goes back to the whole idea of Andrew Wiggins has demonstrated that he can play in this league. Now, he's never played efficiently and has never played in a winning situation for the most part. But those are the diamonds in the rough that you look for when you're the Golden State Warriors. The other thing I've heard is these big blockbuster deals of them using their their big trade exception. And for what I know about where they are financially, I'm not convinced they're ready to spend quite that much. Even if they get the break on the luxury tax, as has been reported, they're still hemorrhaging money. Don't forget, they financed that new arena largely by themselves. And they were anticipating not just having Warriors games there, but having all sorts of concerts there. It was specially built, and it was a pretty penny spent on making it. So, as a result... I cannot believe that they're looking to extend exactly what they're spending on the Warriors when it comes to luxury tax. But we will, we will ultimately see. The interesting, most interesting thing that I learned about the draft and where we are in this unique situation with the COVID is the fact that I got into a sort of a debate among agents about uh, promises. I had one agent tell me, that uh, do not expect promises. In fact, if you read someone giving a promise, and I already have, uh, I believe Patrick Williams being given a promise to Detroit uh, that uh, that they were going to take him with the seventh pick, if I'm not mistaken. I was told there are no promises because normally the way it works, and the promise basically is, is, a team says, we will take you at a particular spot. But in regard, in, in order for us to do that, you have to shut down working out or providing any medical uh, information to anybody else. So you kind of target that team. At the same time, agents and their clients can also avoid certain teams by not working out for them, not providing medical information so that it's much a much bigger roll of the dice for them to go ahead and draft that particular player. Now, I was told that uh, you're you're not going to see promises in this draft because uh, the 
ability to work out is far limited. And as far as I know, players aren't traveling to teams to work out for them. Teams can come to them in their home state, uh, their home location, and, uh, and they can work out for them then or they can meet with them then. But what's different, and so I had another agent tell me, no, the, the promises will be even greater because it's, there isn't the mandatory combine. There isn't a way for every team to get the medical information and the uh, measurements and all of that stuff that normally is, is available. Uh, now, the only way you get that is if the agent and the player agree to give it to you. So this agent was suggesting that the ability to leverage a promise is greater than ever. The distinction that the first agent made was, yeah, but the normal announcement when players come in to work out for a team, it has publicized. Now, all of it's behind closed doors. So there's no ability for teams to know whether an agent and the player actually are shutting down everybody else. And so to promise a player, the promise doesn't hold up. Now, obviously, if there's a great relationship between the agent and the particular team and they trust each other, then they can get something done. And for the most part, promises are usually only given to agents with a track record. Uh, by teams. So we'll see how this goes. But I would just, I would caution anyone, if you see a promise, if you read someone's been promised, I would tread lightly. Doesn't mean it's not happening, but you have to go a couple layers deeper and look at, okay, so who is the player? Who is his agent? And what do we know about the relationship between that agent and that particular team? If it's a contentious relationship or it's an agent who has no track record, I would be skeptical. Doesn't mean it's not happening. I would just be skeptical. Now, there may be certain instances, whether it's a Jeff Schwartz or it's a Bill Duffy or a Mark Bartlestein, where, yeah, and it's a particular team that they have a particularly good relationship with, then it's possible. Although, for the most part, those agents are too savvy to put it out there that their players have a promise. And teams in general don't put it out. If you see that a guy has a promise or you read that someone has a promise, it generally comes from the agent's side. And the veracity of it, the accuracy of it, you know, there's some agents out there want to leverage their guy as being maybe a little more valuable on the market than people had previously thought he was. So if you can put out there, or if you put out there, maybe if you're not, you can, but you do put out there that your guy has a promise, uh, when maybe he doesn't, then you've elevated the impression of him on the market. I will tell you that when it comes to the draft, I'll never forget, uh, I believe it was B.J. Armstrong when he was an executive for the first time with the Bulls. And B.J. And, BJ and I have known each other for a long time. And we were talking at some point, I don't know if it was before the draft or after, and he said, 
I'm not even sure the draft is actually a thing that happens because there's so much lying that goes on. I don't know what to believe. There are certain GMs that I won't even call or agents I won't even call around the draft because I don't want to put them in a position to lie to me. Or rather, there are certain ones that I won't call unless I have dead to write something and I just need confirmation on it because I figure they're going to lie to me. And then the ones that I have really good relationships with, I don't want to put them in a position to have to lie to me. And generally what they will do is say, I can't, I can't answer that, which I appreciate. I would much rather have the, I can't answer it than getting steered the wrong way. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So that's it for the draft. The one other element when it comes to the NBA schedule of events with the draft and free agency, and free agency is going to follow very closely the draft. There's a debate I was having uh, again with a number of GMs and scouts, and they were asking me what I thought about having the draft before or after free agency opens. And it would make a lot more sense to have free agency before the draft, to have free agency start a week before the draft, because then you wouldn't have this weird delay of trades that sometimes can't be made until after the draft is consummated or after the calendar year for the NBA turns over. Uh, I don't know what that date is officially is this year it's usually July 1 but that would make more sense because you should you would want to look at free agency who you can get who you can't get and then draft accordingly you could you could draft far more intelligently if you knew what you were going to be able to do on the free agent market as is you have to draft uh, usually with the normal schedule, you're drafting late June. And then July 1, you find out whether you really are able to land some of the guys that you want to get. And the, uh, by and large, look, the big stars before July 1, those things are pretty much decided. If you don't know whether you're going to get a guy or not, you're probably not going to get that guy. So, but there are, a lot of other players, and by and large, the guys that you're drafting aren't franchise players. They come in as role players. Those are the guys you're less certain about because they're not as high on your priority list. So it makes all the sense in the world from a basketball standpoint, for from the GM's standpoint, that you would have the draft after free agency. But for the league it makes far more sense to have the draft before free agency because then the draft 
carries more weight. It carries more significance. And you can use it as advertisement for the upcoming free agency. It just, if you have the draft after the free agency, the draft is going to get sort of washed over by whatever happens in free agency, by and large. The draft becomes a thing and then free agency becomes a thing. So from a marketing standpoint, from a promotions standpoint, from just pure attention, the league get two, gets two bites of the apple rather than one and a half, say. All right, that's all that I want to talk about the draft and the draft situation uh, in this podcast. We'll get more into it in the next podcast, which will come right on the eve of the 2020 NBA draft. I did want to get into, and I've just, this is me sharing information that I've learned uh, and I was not aware of. And I'm guessing that you are not either. And I will be interested to find out how much this informs the way the NBA approaches this season. Because as you know, they're not playing in a bubble. They're going to play in home arenas with no fans. And how they handle players who test positive, because there's not going to be the same testing. There's not going to be the same uh, incubator for everybody to be contained in. Guys are going to be at home and teams are going to be flying and they're going to try to limit the travel. But all of that is, is going to happen. Inevitably, there are going to be players, coaches, personnel who are going to test positive for COVID. That's just going to happen. Guaranteed. Because it's been happening in Europe, overseas. Now, what I did not know is that, and it depends from country to country, but the leagues over in Europe are playing. Some are playing to full arenas. I believe Lithuania is one of those. In Russia, they're playing to half-full arenas. Uh, France, Spain, Germany, they don't have any fans in their arena. But uh, if there is an outbreak in any one of these leagues, from what I've heard, that they simply reschedule. (laughs) They, They move that particular game and give the players or the personnel involved the opportunity to quarantine and pass a couple COVID tests and then they're back on it. And which I found fascinating. And, and the players, if it's just a player or two, then they put them aside. It's, they treat it like a normal injury or illness rather than attempting to get to a point where you have zero positive test cases. So uh, I will be very interested to see how the NBA approaches this because they could very well do the same thing. And some of this is going to be the political climate in the country. And I, I'm just, I'm anticipating that the people that have bought into the idea that the COVID-19 was politically driven or the big deal about COVID was politically driven and was a, a, a way to attack the, uh, previous president are going to look at the way the NBA, if the NBA models follows the same model as 
as the European leagues. They're going to look at it and say, see, see, the NBA made a big deal out of it. They had to play in a bubble. They had to have zero uh, positive tests. They went overboard making it this, this big deal. And now, now they have guys getting COVID and they're just continuing to play. They're treating it like the flu. They're treating it like an injury, which is how they're doing it in Europe. They are simply, if they have to play with eight players on the roster, then that's who they're going to play with. If you can replace a player, then you replace that player. Now, I have been told that rosters, NBA rosters, will be expanded to 16. And they're going to be very flexible when it comes to utilizing players that are under contract that are playing on G League rosters. Their ability to bring them up or send them down. So, uh, and that players who do test positive will be out a minimum of two weeks. Those are some of the things that the NBA is going to put into place. I have not heard how they're going to handle uh, if there's an outbreak. And I was told that with one European team, like the entire coaching staff, three players, and the GM all got COVID, all tested positive for COVID. And they simply rescheduled the game that they were the next game that they were supposed to play. Now their schedules aren't quite as compact as the NBA's is. They generally play once or twice a week at the most. And as I understand it, and uh, obviously with the NBA, you're playing generally at least on average three games a week. It's very hard to just reschedule. It should, though, be easier because you don't have fans. And to this point, you don't have any other events happening in the arenas. So the flexibility, the ability to change dates could potentially be there. Now, again, I don't know if the league is going to operate on that uh, in that manner, but it is a possibility. So we let's let's wait and see. But I, I I don't know about you. I found it as a surprise to hear that there are some countries that have fans. Like you you go in and you would not know that COVID nineteen is is a thing in in the world and where that goes and how many people are how much that's uh, affecting the break uh, outbreaks in in Europe and various places remains to be seen. I just, I was not aware that they were, in, in some cases, they were operating as if everything was normal. There is one element, though, uh, that under underlines the fact that we, the U.S., have handled this really poorly and are looked at basically as a pariah when it comes to COVID. Because there are players who are playing in countries that will not allow uh, U.S. citizens to fly in at this point because of, of, of how badly it's going here. So uh, you, you heard a lot about the players in the NBA bubble uh, not seeing their families for four or five weeks, I think, at the very beginning, and then they could bring family in. And they obviously had to follow a certain amount of protocol, but they could have their, their, their wives and their kids and... Uh, and everybody there, they had to be, they were very strict on, you had to prove that this was a long-standing relationship. If you had that person come in, uh, there weren't going to be 
uh, Instagram models, as I understand it. That was that was the avoidance. But when it comes to the uh, players playing overseas, some of them have not seen their wives and kids for months. Like we're talking about since the season started uh, a couple months ago. And there's no, uh, no anticipation that they're going to see them anytime soon. Obviously, that's always a hardship. Some guys have to go through that when they play overseas. But by and large, the guys that I know uh, ultimately have their families and their kids come over at some point and experience living overseas. Not this time. Not this time around. It's also, it, it puts the idea of going overseas or getting a guy at the end of the year is not going to happen. Uh, the way it normally does, where team is making or getting ready for the playoffs or making an end of the season run, and they'll look overseas to see if there's a player that fits what they need with NBA experience, and they'll go grab them. That's not expected to happen this time around from a from a timing standpoint, uh, largely because uh, the lateness of the season starting for the NBA. That decision is going to be made way later down the line. And so a lot of the contracts are not built for that to happen. Again, as I understand it. Before I go on, I do want to recognize my sponsor, Mizzen and Maine. If you saw the feature on me in the Wall Street Journal about my home studio, you saw me wearing Mizzen and Maine gear. Might've looked like I was wearing a dress shirt and a blazer, but it's actually made out of performance fabric, which means that you're not going to have sweat marks. You do not have to take it to the dry cleaner. You don't have to iron it. It's pretty amazing stuff. And it looks like dress shirts, jackets, etc. Made for the summer because of that uh, sweat wicking, but they now have layers. They have sweaters. They have hoodies. They have joggers. You really want to check them out, mizzenandmain.com. And because it's that performance fabric, what I like about it is everybody's wearing very snug uh, attire these days, and that stretchy fabric allows you to wear tight clothes that still look really good. Mizzenandmain.com. Check them out. Please tell them I sent you. The last thing I'd like to hit in this podcast is the what was described as a victory lap being taken by NBA players and their political activism that contributed or raising the question of how much they contributed to the change in our presidency and the results of the election. No doubt the players in the league today had far more influence and impact Uh, simply because they put far more energy and effort and were more visible in getting people out to vote and made it known where their sympathies lied as far as who they'd like to see win. I honestly believe that the boycott by the Milwaukee Bucks and the players' demands for uh, additional support from the owners midway through the bubble had everything to do with wanting to see a change in the presidency, to not see the current president 
be elected for another four years. And that when they felt they weren't getting that, they hadn't asked enough from the owners. And I believe ESPN did a piece looking at owners' contributions. I look, they're, they're in a different category. And they may have, they may be sympathetic, the owners, the NBA owners, I'm saying, and, and owners of professional franchises in general. They are in a tax bracket that looks at how the president is going to affect their tax bracket. It does not mean that they don't feel sympathy for minorities, but if you ask them to choose one or the other, their wealth or taking care of the less privileged, eh, <laughs> they'll say, look, I'll help the less privileged, but let me decide how I'm going to spend my money. I don't want to just voluntarily give it to the government. That's from, from what I know, and I'm speaking in generalities and painting with a broad brush here, but that's where I know that I've heard, I've experienced, that's where their sympathies lie. That's the reason why uh, Beverly Hills is uh, a, a red zone, if you will, staunch Republican zone in an otherwise liberal Los Angeles. But the question is raised is, so the NBA players are giving, being given a lot of credit for contributing. How much did they contribute? And what ultimately was or is going to be the cost? I will never begrudge an athlete for being politically active, for fighting for social justice, for trying to stand up for his community or the less privileged ever. We'll never question them doing that. Where and when they do it, I believe that's open to debate. And I've come to the place where I believe that if they are doing it and it is impairing the NBA and its marketability and its ability to produce revenue, that that is not the smart sacrifice. And I, I know there's plenty of people out there that are going to say, you sound like one of the owners. Well, I don't want to sacrifice money to take care of other people. I don't mean it like that. But the NBA is a business, and it's the entertainment business. And people buy tickets, they buy league passes, they buy jerseys, they buy mer merchandise. I do not believe they buy those things. Maybe a few do, but the vast majority don't buy it because of the political persuasion or feelings that NBA players have when it comes to social justice or anything else. They come to be entertained. And this is not, trust me, this is not a shut up and dribble. I am not saying that by any means. But the platform that you use, for a player to use his own platform, for a player to do everything they, to be known for it, I have again have no issue with that. When you when you utilize the game itself, and I mean the courts and the jerseys and even press conferences that where a question is asked about the game, and you answer it with a social justice statement, but the country was very raw. And the players were very emotional. So 
complete pass on anything that happened in the bubble. But I do not believe it's good for the health of the NBA, which means it's not good for the health of NBA players to continue down that road. Find a way to make it known. But here's the thing for me, is that I believe that the players should take the same approach that the owners do, which is, let me get the money. Let me get the the influence and the power that having millions of dollars of disposable income gives me. And let me build schools and give back to my my community and uh, develop companies that create jobs. Let me do that because now I have control over it and I can pinpoint it and I can send it to where exactly it needs to go as opposed to being an evangelist and trying to convince an audience that is watching NBA games that they should care more and they should do more. I don't know how successful that ultimately is. Some people will rally around it. And some people will say, can I just watch basketball? I just want to watch basketball. I want, to, I want an escape from my, my normal life. And to immediately brand those people as insensitive or racist or unfeeling is unfair. Because it doesn't mean that they don't care or that they're not doing their own part in their communities. Some of them may not. Some of them may not want to hear about it because they don't want to acknowledge that the problem exists. But that's not everybody. And this is where we can't paint with a broad brush. And ultimately, it's about what is the NBA? What does it stand for? What is it supposed to do? What is its function? People today... This is one of the reasons why I believe that podcasts have evolved and why SportsCenter died is because consumers have come to want what they want when they want it. And with a podcast, you can do that. You don't have to wait for a certain time on the radio to hear somebody or you don't have to question or figure out what somebody's going to be talking about. The podcast advertises it. You can specifically hear about a specific thing on a specific podcast and you can listen to it whenever you want. It's available for you whenever you want. That's what the consumer wants from the NBA. If they want to hear about social justice, then they will readily have the opportunity to follow the players or the teams or the people that are doing that, who also happen to be athletes. But when they tune into a contest, when they tune into a game, they want to be entertained by watching basketball, not something else. So I get it. I get it. And it doesn't, uh, look, it doesn't, I'm not offended by it. I just examine it and wonder if it is really accomplishing what the players ultimately hope that it will or is there a better way that is that's the question that i raise is it better for them to contribute to the nba and make it as successful as possible put as much money in their pockets as they can so that they can then utilize that 
And this is not me suggesting that there isn't racism or social inequality. Without question, (laughs) there is. I've seen it my entire life. I'm not debating that. I'm debating how do you tackle it and how should the NBA. And I believe Adam Silver has 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 made that decision. You know, there there will not be slogans on the jerseys. There will not be Black Lives Matter on the court. Which again, the confusion there drives me crazy. But this is what happens when there's not specificity. When people aren't educated. Black Lives Matter as a statement is different than Black Lives Matter, the organization. And trust me, I've taken part in this. I've seen the conversation go on on Speak for Yourself, a show that I'm on regularly, where the dismissal of Black Lives Matter, the organization, which is a very loose organization, it's got a multitude of things that it espouses and people that it supports, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what their mission is. But you can find something in, in their statements and in their documents and in their mission statements to rally around or oppose. And I feel as if the NBA and the NBA players, when they put that on the court, they didn't distinguish what that meant and what it was supposed to symbolize and who ultimately it was supposed to support. What is it? Was it the concept? Was it the slogan? Or was it the organization? And not being clear on that, I'm just, you, I, I don't think it was the sole reason that the ratings were down. I think there were a lot of contributing factors. But I just, I know too many people, I've heard too, from too many people who were soured by that, that aren't racist, that aren't opposed to social justice who recognize that there is social inequality but there's just okay what is it anytime you have some uncertainty on something that is that important or that sensitive then it's going to make people feel uncomfortable and as as someone who's providing entertainment unless it's purposeful part of your movie or your play or your theater You don't want to make them uncomfortable coming to see your performance. I know there's a lot of people out there that believe, no, that's good. We needed people to tune into NBA games and feel uncomfortable about where the country is. And okay, we should. We should recognize where we are and we should be uncomfortable with who and what we are. I I don't have a problem with that. If you think you're going to be convincing people to tune in who you need to convince that it's important that we feel that way and they're going to they're going to be uh, persuaded, I just don't think you have a very good grasp of how human nature works. I, I found this out, honestly, when it comes to podcasts when the idea that you go to people who listen to the radio or watch TV, and that's those are the people that you have to convince, hey, come on over and try out podcasts. No. People who have discovered podcasts, that's your audience. That's where you go to find more people to listen to your podcast because they've already adopted that 
habit. They already understand how cool it is to have podcasts. The people that are still listening to the radio, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta work a lot harder to pull them over. And ultimately, as with so many things, sometimes it's just not worth it. All right, that does it for this episode, this all over the place mess of an episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show. Yes, even this one on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our sponsors appreciate it. I appreciate it, especially if you give uh, comments and let us know what we could be doing different. And when I say we, I mean me, essentially, especially since this is a friendless episode. Next podcast, we will be on the eve of the next draft. So we may get into what I'm learning there as far as who's going to go where, who likes who, etc. Also may have to get into what what's Ron Artest's name going to be next week. Yeah, for those who haven't been following, it's now Meta Sandiford Artest. It was at one point Ron Artest, then it was Meta World Peace, excuse me, Meta World Peace, and now it's Meta Sandiford Artest. No explanation as to why he changed it. Uh, and again, and to be clear, I kid because I love. All right, that does it. As always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.